Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate Show. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show. Separating facts from fiction. We're going to repeal it and replace it. And and it'll be great health care for much less money. We can have the benefits that were promised to them without any change whatsoever. But if we keep kicking the can down the road, keep digging the hole deeper, burying that deficit more, that's much harder to keep that kind of a commitment. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Susan's calling from Kansas City, Missouri. Marcia from Pittsburgh. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy, just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer today, Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. By the way, I want to take a moment to welcome our newest affiliates, WHNZ 1250, Tampa Bay, Florida, Tampa Bay's Impact Station, and two new stations here in Missouri, 95.5 KAAN and 99.3 Classic Country. Yeah, believe it or not, people actually listen to us on country music stations. So we're very happy to have them on board. We are up to about 150 affiliates now, thanks to all of you in the listening audience. So thank you once again. If you want information on anything you hear about today or you have a topic you want me to cover or a question, you can go to americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. ton of information up there. Uh, anything you need help with, please feel free to send me an email. We will get back to you with an answer. You can also follow me on Facebook. It's pretty simple. Carrie, C-A-R-Y Hall. That's all you've got to do if you follow me on Facebook. All right. So as many of you know, I've talked about expanding this show and topics, and we talk a lot about insurance. We talk a lot about healthcare, everything from cancer to liver transplants to yoga and Pilates, you name it. Well, there's another part to this that I've wanted to do for a long time, and we're now finally able to do it. We are going to start talking about your pet's health. And joining me in studio today is Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital here in Kansas City. Welcome, doctor. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me, Carrie. That's great to have you in here. Dr. Hunthausen has been our veterinarian for, I guess, about 10 years now. So let's see. We've had Roxy. We've had Emma. <laughs> we've got Greta. So we've got, we're, we're, we're on our third dog now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and uh, Dr. Hunthausen is a great veterinarian. We wanted to start doing these shows on pets because so many people have pets. And um, uh, for those of you that don't remember this, you know, I have a little history with dogs. I'm a a big dog lover. I was a military dog handler and a police canine officer um, in another life when I was a very, very young man. Um, And I've always had dogs, either German Shepherds or Boxers, um, Rottweilers, whatever the case may be. Our current dog, Greta, um, is a Boxer. We're down to one dog now. We had two. But I've always had a a tremendous interest in doing this on dogs, cats. I mean, we may be talking about your anaconda or pork-bellied pig at some point. But today, (laughs) today we're going to focus on dogs. And and I want to welcome Dr. Hothouse. I think this is great um, that you're here today. And and I thought maybe we'd just kind of dive in a little bit. First of all, you know, there's that commercial that Farmers has out there says, we've seen a thing or two, so we know a thing or two. I think you've probably seen a thing or two, and you know a thing or two. So how long have you been doing this, Doctor? I've been doing this uh, since 1979. Okay, you've been doing it a while. Yes, so, a yeah, while. So you've probably seen most everything <laughs> oh, at this point. Oh, right, right, yeah. A number of memorable cases. Actually, I had one, I have a special interest in behavior, and I had uh, one case that was a pot-bellied pig 
You had a pot. Okay, see, we already skipped a pot-bellied pigs. JP, I thought we were going to stick with dogs, but it doesn't look that way. And All right. It was. This is when pot-bellied pigs were real popular. Yeah. And uh, as the pig grew older and mature, uh, the wife would sit in the family room with her arm around the pig and watch television. And the uh, it got to the point where when the husband would come in the room, the pig would snort and chase him out of the room. <laughs> You're serious? Chased by a pig. Chased by a pig. Hey, and we used a that's beat. That's hilarious. Of, it was, well, it was, except for the husband wasn't happy no, no, about I'm sure it. No, wasn't very happy. Yeah, you know, the husband probably had his eyes on bacon at that point. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And actually, we used uh, obedience training and potato chips to solve the problem. Obedience training and, and potato chips. That's hilarious. Yeah. And what we would do, basically, the pig just loved potato chips. And so the husband became the source of potato chips. And whenever he walked in the room, the, pit, the pig would get potato chips. And so instead of forcing the pig to tolerate the husband, we taught the pig to look forward to having the husband yeah, present. Yeah, really happy because he was a potato chip guy. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a great story. How long do pot-bellied pigs live? Oh, they, they live uh, well over 12 years, I think. I, I, so as long I'm as not dogs, a, I'm not a pot-belly pig specialist. No, I just think that's fascinating. <laughs> that's, I, as I make mention of it, here we got a pot-belly pig story. So let, let's so let's talk a little bit about dogs because, you know, our current dog uh, is is a boxer. Her name's Greta. Um, and our other our last three have been boxers. Before that, we had German Shepherds. But, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, that, that you know, it seems that a lot of dogs have skin issues, whether it's, um, you know, uh, uh, hot spots with German shepherds or whether it's um, uh, it's boxers losing their hair certain times of year. So let's start with some of the things that, that you typically see and things that people can do and, and symptoms of things they need to notice if their dog's starting to have some kind of problem. Right. Well, there are a wide variety of, of uh, problems that can lead to skin conditions and the hot spots. Hot spots is a generic term for a, for a, a weeping raw, itchy sore that dogs get. And there are secondary problems like parasites, like, like fleas. Right. And uh, uh, certainly good flea control is, is important for that. Uh, and, and flea allergies are uh, real interesting because most dogs, if they're bitten by a flea, they might be itchy for a short period and they bite or chew and they're, they're over it. But dogs can develop uh, allergies to the saliva. Uh, that fleas have. And these dogs, if they're bitten by a flea, uh, they may stay itchy for three to six days after a bite. So just a couple of bites a week keep them itchy all the time. And so you've got to be really on top of your flea control. And even in spite of that, you still may need prescription medication to control the itch and stop the dog from chewing. But uh, so fleas are a big problem. Uh, and allergies, uh, environmental allergies, those are a really, really big one. They're, they're seasonal. In uh, late winter, early spring, we have uh, tree pollen in the air, so that the itching kind of spikes. Just then. like people, just exactly <laughs> like people. Uh, some dogs will have problems throughout the summer, and then it spikes again, just like people in August and September. We have uh, weed pollens and grass pollens out there, and so preventing exposure, cleaning the uh, filters in the home, uh, keeping the dogs away from fields where there's a lot of pollen, that can help out. Uh, if the uh, allergy is mild, it's kind of like people. If it's really mild and you can ignore it, no big deal. Uh, if it's uh, uh, interferes uh, with your quality of life and it's bothersome, uh, then antihistamines are, are safe. Uh, sometimes they cause a little sedation like they do in people, but they're nice, safe, inexpensive medications. And then uh, as things get more severe, then you go to a stronger medications, and there are a lot of uh, nice, safe allergy medications out there. And for the really severe cases, uh, the pet may need to see a veterinary dermatologist skin testing like we actually again. did that with mm-hmm. Greta right because she was having issues we took her you referred us mm-hmm. we took her and she gets a little liquid squirt 
every day, Lori puts this thing in her mouth. Yeah. A couple of squirts of this stuff, and it's made a big difference. Yeah. So he has. They made it right for her. Exactly. Her, yeah. Exactly. So they'll determine the dermatology will determine exactly what allergens the problem, and then you can use immunotherapy uh, to help decrease the pest response. And so there, we have a lot more uh, choices than years ago. Years ago, it was pretty much a, a high dose of a steroid shot. And steroids have a lot of side effects. So yeah. you really want to stay away from those if, if, you, if you can. You know, it's something else that, that I found interesting. This Last year and this year, we started using a, a company called Mosquito Joe. And they mm-hmm. use a, a, a chemical, I think it's pyracantha, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a derivative of some flower. If I, I don't know. I may Probably pyrethrin. Py- pyrethrin. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And they spray the stuff. And you can't have the dog outside when they do it, and yet they have to stay inside for at least half an hour. But what I've noticed is, because it affects um, uh, not only mosquitoes, but fleas, as we, they're, it's almost non-existent. You know, we have not had an issue with fleas, us or our neighbors. We all, in our block, there's like three of us that do it. Um, it, it has it's had an effect on 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 deterring the issue with fleas. Right, and that's really an important aspect of controlling fleas. Besides treating the pet, uh, there are stages of the flea that live off the pet, and you've got to treat the environment. So, with really heavy flea infestations, you need to spray the yard. Uh, you need to spray maybe certain areas of the house. Uh, and vacuuming, vacuuming is really helpful because really? Uh, vacuum them up. Yeah, a female flea. <laughs> We'll take a bite, uh, take a blood meal, and she'll egg, lay eggs real uh, soon after that, and the eggs fall into the environment, and those hatch into larval stages and pupal stages. And so vacuuming real well and then getting rid of the vacuum bag, that can be an important step in controlling fleas also. Simple stuff, but stuff that can make a big difference. Exactly. And if you get them in the house, and I know, you know, I had a uh, assistant at one point who uh, her house was infested with things, and they had to go out and put a bomb in and do all this stuff because they got in the cloth of the couches, and she had a hell of a time getting rid of them. Oh, that can be, yeah, that can be a real challenge. And unfortunately, we used to recommend those those bleep fogger bombs where you had to right. get out of the house, but that puts insecticide everywhere. And some of the newer products now that we're using for the pets are more effective on the pets, and uh, where at the very most, usually you just have to maybe spot exterminate so you're not getting stuff everywhere in the house. We're going to go out to the break here. We come back from the break. I'm going to continue this conversation with Dr. Wayne Hunthouse, and he is our vet. He's also the vet uh, that owns and runs Westwood Animal Hospital here in Kansas City. Uh, if you want to reach out to them, it's westwoodanimalhospital.com and their phone number, 913-362-2512. Stay tuned. We're going to come back after the break and continue this fascinating conversation. We're going to talk about something interesting. You probably never thought about this. Do you brush your dog's teeth? We'll tell you about that when we come back from the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, a comment, send me an email. We're happy to hear from you. Once again, it's americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, the always perfect Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Joining me in studio for the pilot 
Pet Health Show, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital here in Kansas City. Um, uh, you can reach out to him, by the way, if you wish, at westwoodanimalhospital.com or their phone number, 913-362-2512. He is a great vet. Um, he's taking care of three of our dogs over the last 10 years. So, doctor, there are new medications out there now that are very different than what we've seen in the past, specifically in anesthetics. I know Elflaxin uh, uh, multidose happens to be one of them. But what are your thoughts about how some of these new uh, uh, drugs work and, and their effects on the animals? And are, are they improved? Um, are they a better solution uh, for pet owners to know? And uh, just exactly what do you think um, uh, some of the uh, positive things are about some of the advances in veterinary medicine? Yeah. It, we, you know, this is another example of how far veterinary medicine come come in regard to the anesthetics we use compared to 35, 40 years ago. And we have products now that, that are the same or really similar to the ones that are using, using in human medication and products like this that uh, where the pet goes down relatively quick in a predictable way. Uh, they stay down for a short period of time and, and, and wake up with a lot of, out a lot of the side effects. Uh, these are great. We're so happy to have these in our All right. So people really do. I saw this the other day. I can't remember where I saw this. If, if somebody sent something to me or I saw it online, brush your dog's teeth. So dental, and it's interesting. I do know that dental care is very important. One of the dogs I had when I was a police officer, uh, before I got him, had a bad habit of chewing rocks. And he had busted off uh, two of his bottom canine. And we actually took him to a dentist, and they made crowns for his right. teeth out of titanium steel. It was a tremendous deterrent. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> but but so talk about dental health and dogs because this yeah. is interesting. Yeah, you know, we talked about allergies in the last segment, and as being one of the more common problems that we see, dental diseases is right up there. And uh, what goes on in a dog's mouth? Well, it's pretty much the same as what goes on in a human's mouth. Not exactly the same, but uh, they get the plaque buildup uh, after you eat, and that becomes mineralized to form tartar or calculus. And of course, we brush that off every day because if you don't. Uh, that mineralized deposit uh, builds up, pushes the gum off the teeth, uh, destroys the ligaments that hold the teeth in place, and allows bacteria and food to get up where we have root abscesses, infected teeth, and teeth that have to be extracted at some point. Uh, also can cause a lot of pain. And some of the dogs that uh, when they're older and develop pain that for no apparent reason, you pat them on the head, uh, they start growling. Some of the dogs just have bad sore teeth that need to be addressed. And so there are things we can do to prevent that, and brushing is probably the gold standard for stopping I mean, that it's buildup. It, it, yeah, actually, there are people that have to brush their dog teeth if they got serious problems. Yeah, abso well, absolutely, but it's more important to do it before they have Thank serious you. problems. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you really need to brush at least five times a week probably. The more the, more the better to keep the uh, plaque buildup down so it doesn't become, become mineralized. Uh, but uh, brushing the teeth uh, will help out. There are certain washes that you can use that you just uh, spritz in the dog's uh, it's mouth. It's probably a little easier than trying to brush the teeth, huh? Yeah, and that's a, yeah, the challenge uh, oh, to get your dog to hold still. I know. While you yeah, got to all this do this is not going to be there. easy. What about the what about the different bones? That I mean, the the different uh, like greenies and those different products that are out there that are supposed to promote dental health also get rid of some of that doggy breath that sometimes Gretel will knock you over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, <laughs> the chihuahuas are here like, please. Okay, so, so Lori started buying those bones. How 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 do those work? Do they really help? They they really do. And the yeah, greenies help. There are other some some other similar products like that that help. There are uh, certain type of chew rawhide chew items that are impregnated with chemicals that reduce the bacteria that contribute to the formation of uh, tartar. Uh, those all help uh, keep 
chew toys, uh, especially the ones that have ridges where the, when the dog chews on the toys, right. uh, it pushes the plaque off. Uh, those can all, all be helpful. So there are a number of things that uh, the, the options out there, depending on how cooperative the pet is. Uh, the other thing that's important, you talked about fractured teeth and eating rocks. Um, you got to be careful about dog toys. And the hard dog toys, like some of the nylon toys, right. uh, real bones, the, the sterilized but hard real bones, antlers in some cases. Yeah, and you see a lot of that deer antler stuff in pet mm-hmm. stores now. Dogs love them, but that's interesting. If the dog is a uh, easy chewer, it just gnaws on these, you're probably safe. But there's some dogs, if they get a hard object like that, they chomp down really hard, just like a, a wolf that would chomp down and get the marrow out of a bone. And they'll get what's called a slab fracture. There's a large shearing tooth back in the back of the mouth. And if you there's a, a, a hard a bite uh, to that tooth, the pressure on that tooth will cause the side of that tooth to pop off. And then you have holy a, cow. Yeah, then you have a root exposed, and you have either a tooth that has to be extracted. And it's a three-rooted tooth. It's not an easy procedure, but you got a tooth that needs to be extracted, uh, or you can re- we can refer the pet to a dentist who can do a root canal and uh, take care. <laughs> That's of it. amazing. So you see yeah, the tooth. I remember when we were uh, when we were going through um, uh, dog handler school uh, when I was in the military, and that was I think we went through sixteen weeks, if, if I remember correctly, when we did the program. Um, they told us how many pounds per square inch. Let me see if I can remember this. 2,500 pounds per square inch for a so, German Shepherd. That sounds that, about, yeah, right. About Even right. more for some dogs. They're yeah. really heavily muscled Yeah, dogs. so when you say break, that's a lot of pressure when they, to, to be able to step down. Here's right. something else that's interesting, though. One of the things I've noticed when we stopped using it, those rawhide toys, especially, I don't know what it is with boxers, but they would, she would, all of them have done this. They would chew it, and then they would get the thing in their mouth and start to choke on it. Yeah. And it would scare the daylights out of us. I had to literally have to go in and pull it out of their mouth. Yeah. Um, so how about, some, what are the issues with those rawhide chewies? Yeah, I think rawhides, there's a, there is a place for rawhides in, in the dog's uh, tool chest, uh, but you have to be careful about it. And my recommendation is if you're going to give dog, dog rawhide, usually you're most necessary for these young dogs where you just got to keep their mouth busy is it's so big that the pet can only gnaw on it. Right. So much bigger than you would think for the size of your pet. Okay. And, and if it's so big that the pet doesn't know where to get started, you can take the rawhide and dip the corner of it into a warm bullion to soften it up a little bit, <laughs> give the place, <laughs> pet a place to get started. Then. Yes. The beef bullion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when it gets small enough, like you mentioned, where the pet can inhale it. Or That's get what it they stuck, were doing. They've you, all done this. You've got, you've got to get, get it up. Same thing with hooves. Uh, cow That's hooves. That's another thing that you They're see. They're hard. They, uh, some, in some cases, uh, those uh, hooves can break a tooth. But that's also something you have to be careful about. When it gets whittled down to a small piece, it has to be taken away from the pet. Okay, before we go to break, how? what about giving your dog uh, soup bones? Soup bones can be the same problem because when you when you cook those bones and sterilize them, that's good, but it makes them harder even. So when you and, cook them, it makes them harder. Yeah. Okay. And so while a dog can gnaw on those and be okay, if a dog bites really hard, like we mentioned with the nylon bones, then you got problems. That's funny because Lori buys them and she cooks them, bakes them. So I guess we're going to have to stop doing that because I don't need Greta to be busting any teeth off with those things. And no. she loves them. <laughs> she gets those knuckle bones, but still probably probably not the best idea in the world. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about behavioral health. It was interesting. Dr. Hunthouse has done a ton of radio and television. And before the show, one of the things he talked to me about that was interesting was the number one question he gets 
90% of the time is about behavior issues. So we'll come back from the break and we'll talk about behavior issues. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. I'm going to be back with more. And if you want information about Dr. Hunhausen, westwoodanimalhospital.com. That's the website, phone number 913-362-2512. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIE Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. By the way, all these shows are posted up there on podcast. If you want to tell somebody, gee, you should have heard what Dr. Hunthausen had to say about bones, uh, rawhide, or, or, or fleas, or whatever the case may be, you can go up and listen to the show. It's posted on the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, Mr. J.P. Stacey, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. My guest, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen in studio. You know, folks, this is a brand new series of shows we're doing on pet health and veterinary medicine. So if you have a question or you have a thought or something you'd like to hear about on the show, email me at americashealthcareadvocate.com. That's americashealthcareadvocate.com. We'll try to get it answered by an expert like Dr. Hunthausen here on America's Healthcare Advocate. All right. This is, you know, this is interesting. As I was a dog handler, as I said, in the military and then as a police officer, and we didn't keep the same dog in those days. They've changed this now, thank God. We didn't keep the same dog, and I was in for four years and had four different dogs, and we did not keep the dog through the entire military service. Now, that's changed now, and the dog handlers are allowed to keep the dogs. They're also allowed to take the dogs with yeah. them when they leave. That must have been difficult to have it a was dog very difficult. dog like that. It was, it was horrible. Goodness. In fact, the yeah. worst part of that story was, when we, I was in Vietnam in 69 and 70 at Cameron Bay, and we had a 78-dog kennel, and there was a constant you know, rotation because you're over there for a year and a half, two years, whatever it was. But the, the sad part was that when we finally pulled out of Vietnam and left, they left all those dogs there. Mm. You can, oh, your imagination of what yeah, happened to those dogs. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a very, very bad situation, not well done. But one of the things we always used to say when we had problem dogs was, it's not the dog, it's the handler. So, 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 you know, let's talk about that because it's not the dog, it's the handler. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is people did get a dog and a breed they don't understand, and then they've got a big problem. Doctor? Yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're exactly right. And a lot of it, it's not because people are, or, or bad people are bad owners. They just don't have the education that they really need in, in about normal dog behavior. And, and people come into a relationship with certain types of expectations, which may not be met if they have a sedentary lifestyle and they adopt a young working breed dog that needs to go out in the field to work three or four hours a day. There's going to be problems because there's a mismatch there. And so that's a problem. And then fortunately, we're getting away from some of the old training techniques that were real popular 30 or 40 years ago. A lot of the really rough stuff. Uh, and now trainers are much more humane in uh, using positive reinforcement and using uh, uh, credible uh, behavioral modification techniques to get what we want out of our pets. Like potato chips with pork belly like, pigs. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> chips and pigs. <laughs> so, so and let's talk about that because, you know, people get, I think people get a dog and they don't really understand a lot of times. For instance, a dog like Rhodesian Ridgeback. You better know when you got that dog that that dog is, you know, they use those dogs to hunt lions. Yeah. Um, you understand what you're getting when you got that dog. Yeah, do your research. Yeah. And, and, and look at what that dog's bred to do every day. And if that's not at least somewhat similar to your lifestyle, 
could be a problem. You don't want to buy that and live in a high-story condominium you no. know, with that dog, <laughs> but it needs to be taken out and run every day, or a, or a husky. Yeah. That, that, that's a dog that wants to run and pull, right. or, or a, a German Shepherd, right, or a herding breed dog that needs a lot of mental stimulation, yeah. like yeah, like like the Australian Shepherds right. and yeah, cattle dogs and so forth. Yeah, right, and mm-hmm. and and the hunting dogs. There's another, you know, there 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 that's another breed that needs to. As I was telling you during the break, we had a neighbor that was an idiot uh, who had a, a hunt a pointer, whatever, well, I can't remember what the dog was, but he would turn the dog loose. The dog would run all over the neighborhood, up and down out of people's lawns and yards. He was obviously not a very popular guy, but it was, you know, you've got to have the time to take that dog to a park and a dog park and let them run and do what they need to do. If you don't have time to do that, you shouldn't have that dog. It's just that simple. The other thing that I thought was interesting that you and I talked about before the show was, and this really surprised me. You said when you've done, cause you've done a lot of television, a lot of radio, the number one thing you get questions on that people cause that is behavior issues, but it's also the number one reason people send their dogs to shelter and get rid of them. Yeah, exactly. And the behavior is such an important part of having the pet in home. That's why we adopt pets because of the behavior of the pet or what we assume the behavior is going to be like as part of our part of our family. And when that doesn't work out, uh, then the bond's broken. So number one uh, reason we adopt pets and, and we're at the, at the top of, of what causes the break in that bond some type of behavior problem. And uh, people often don't have the tools to go in there and, and make changes they should. Or they've contributed to the problem because they've not provided for the pet's needs. And they've not, they know, most people know that they have to provide good veterinary care and nutritional health and exercise, but they've also got to provide adequate amount of socialization, mental stimulation. Uh, they need to have boundaries for their pet. Raising raising dogs is a lot like raising kids. I yeah, mean, they all have a personality. They, I honestly exactly. believe that. They need a lot of love, but they also need some boundaries. They have, should have some rules within the work, and then that makes a healthy pet mentally. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> Greta is not allowed on the furniture. She's not allowed in the beds. Um, and she knows when I say plots, that means down, and she's mm-hmm. down, Okay. Um, and, and so she's been obedience trained and, 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 and when she, when we when, you know, when we're out walking, she understands how to heal, but that all that you have to take the time to do that and you have to spend the time and you can't get mad at the dog because you weren't the one that did put in the time and the effort to do what you needed to do. Exactly. And it's, and it's not just having rules, but it's also providing the love and the social attention that pet needs. So they, they need, they need both. They need structure. They need a lot of. Uh, adequate social attention. Yeah, you can't leave them locked up all day in a cage. No. This is another thing people do. They work, they leave the dog locked up, then they come home and they wonder why the dog is going nuts, yeah. okay, and they're not, you know, and, and they can't get the dog under control, whatever the case may be. You know, and that, like, we are, you know, we have a neighbor who, she's got a lovely dog, and our dogs play back and forth all the time, and, but she has a dog walker come in twice a day and walk that dog mm-hmm. to make sure that her dog, Dempsey, um, gets uh, gets the exercise he needs um, and 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 is socialized and taken care of. Yeah. And, and another thing I think is, is um, when we travel, and Laura and I travel a fair amount, we don't kennel our dog. I, I you know, my experience has been, especially with pets, um, dogs that are your pets, is that when we kenneled our dogs, when we came back, we had issues. Um, you know, the agitation, the barking, the you know, all of the the, the that goes on that the, 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 they don't understand what's going on that you're mm-hmm. moving them out of a home environment that they're safe in so that we did two things one is we had a pet center come in and stay in the house mm-hmm. or now Greta goes next door okay and it's a holiday for her because she mm-hmm. gets to go play with Dempsey and and Nicole and Travis let her you know 
Have, she has a great time. Probably sneaks up on a couch. But, and... Well, actually, you said that she does. Yeah, and so when she comes home, that, that's over with. But um, but yeah, but I mean, to me that that you know, I I noticed you know when we did that with Roxy, um, our we had a you know she was our big boxer. She was about a ninety pound dog. She was a huge boxer. Um, she was not the same dog. It took a week or two for her to get back to normal. Emma didn't like it at all, and we just made a decision. You know what? We're not doing this anymore because they don't. They don't get it, right? Am I right about this or wrong? Yeah, every every dog's different, and and just kind of like kids. Some kids go to camp and they be out of the out of the home, and they're perfectly fine. Or stay with a relative, and they're perfectly fine. And some of them aren't. But so some dogs do well during during boarding. But I, I my recommendation is if you have the option, yeah, have somebody come in in the home or let the pet stay in another home environment. I think that's ideal setup. Yeah, and it works. It's, it seems to work an awful lot better. Here's a, here's another question I have. Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten dogs when they're one year old, you know, when I got tell who was my last German shepherd, he was a year old at that time. And, and we took him through in, in those days, I was doing uh, some Schutzen work as a, mm-hmm. in the, the German uh, working dog program. And he had already started that program and I took him all the way through to the Schutzen two level. I, I didn't go any further after that, but, but, but it was interesting bonding with that dog versus all the dogs since that have been pups. So we've gone out and gotten puppies every time, and my wife is convinced, and I'm not sure that I would argue with this, that it we bond a lot better with those dogs as puppies when you bring them into home as puppies and then raise them. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I think, yes, you have a lot more control on how that pet's raised. You also spend a lot of time during that formative period. The socialization period uh, for dogs is between about 4 and 12 to 16 uh, weeks of age. I and, did not know that. Yes. And 4 to 12 to 16 weeks. Yeah. Right. How interesting. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a short window, man. Yeah, and what that means, what that means is that's the period where they're most open uh, to developing relations with and developing confidence and in interacting with other members of uh, their species as well as other species. And so they need a lot of social contact with people and uh, with other with other dogs. But they are more likely to bond to you, and you're more likely to have that close relationship when you spend that time together. Of course, the challenge is potty training them. <laughs> Yeah, puppies. <laughs> we, we've had some conversations about that, especially with Emma, who we had. It, it was we were forever. We finally got her to a point where it wasn't happening. But I mean, my God, she was two years old by the time we finally got her point where she wasn't occasionally using the house to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that can be a challenge. Puppies are a lot of work. Yeah, yeah they no, are. No way around that. You got house training. You got destructive period. You got the unruly period. You have adolescence. Which is similar to adolescents and people. Teenagers. Yes. The they teenager don't, dog. Yeah, well, they don't listen real well. They're unruly. Yeah. <laughs> they sneak off. Yeah. Well, all these things. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, it's funny because they're very much like people. It's very interesting. All right. When we come back from the break, I'm going to talk about the, your, your dog's physical exam. You know, you're supposed to get one every year. Guess what? Your dog's supposed to get one, too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. If you want to find out more about Dr. Hunthausen, go to his website, westwoodanimalhospital.com, or you can call 913-362-2512. Stay tuned. I'll be back with more with Dr. Wayne Hunthausen in studio. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. So if you want to tell somebody, hey, you know what? 
they just had this great show on all these different issues, behavioral health issues, et cetera, um, on, the, on the broadcast. Uh, go to the website. The podcast is up there, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You'll see the show with Dr. Wayne Hunthausen. Go up there if you want to tell somebody about it, have somebody listen to it. Um, you can certainly do that. My producer, Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Again, in studio with me, Dr. Wayne Hunthausen. You know, folks, as I said in the earlier segment, this is a brand new series of shows we're doing on pet health. If you have questions on anything regarding your pet's health or an issue, please email me at americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Show suggestions are welcomed as well. All right. So... Interesting. You know, we, we've had boxers now the last three, and they've got cancer issues. Every one of them think, you know, so far, no issues with Greta, but both yeah. both Roxy and Emma had multiple cancer issues. And, and, and right. so how important is that annual physical? Um, and how important is when you see something, get your dog to a vet and find out what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, the yearly exams are, are really important. And especially now where uh, veterinarians are going to three-year uh, vaccinations for some of the core vaccines, uh, people think, well, I only have to come in every three years, and that's, and that's enough. And then that's not. You really need to get in every year because the veterinarian is trained to look for things that the average pet owner wouldn't see at home. Check the lymph nodes. Uh, check for unusual things going on in the skin. Listening to the heart, listening for arrhythmias uh, or for heart murmurs, uh, things like that. Uh, certainly we're better prepared to do a good oral, oral examination. So we can do more thorough examination. Also, it allows us to discuss current changes in uh, preventative medicine, like vaccinations. And uh, here's an example. Um, about 35 years ago, uh, leptospirosis was a common uh, uh, infectious agent that we vaccinated against. It's a real dangerous um, organism, and it can cause uh, kidney uh, damage in, in dogs. Can be, and can how be do fatal. they pick this up, doctor? They pick it up from wildlife. Wildlife is a reservoir. It's transmitted in the urine. So dogs that are out in rural areas, in particular, a lot where there's a lot of wildlife and stagnant water, those are probably higher risk in certain areas, areas of the country. But the uh, disease dropped off, and so we took it out as a core vaccine a number of years ago, and then in the last three or four years, uh, it started to emerge again in certain areas. <laughs> And so for certain areas of the country, leptospirosis is now uh, becoming more of a, a core vaccine. And like people the Midwest? Yes. If people don't come in every year, uh, then we can't talk to them about what kind of environment the pet's in and what their, what their needs are. Uh, we also have the opportunity to talk about nutrition. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, grain-free diets have been really popular in the oh, last few years. That, absolutely. You know, both Greta, Emma... Roxy and um, Tell were all on grain-free diets. Now it's and I did that years because German shepherds do not do well with corn and wheat. I don't care yeah. what any or chicken. Those are the three things that we had nothing but allergy problems with. And I've gotten our dogs completely off of anything that has grain in it. Okay, that's going to change. Yep. And just recently, uh, there's some studies that have come out from cardiologists suggesting that grain, some of the grain-free diets, may be implicated in causing cardiac disease. Really? And they're not exactly sure what's going on yet. This is just real preliminary information, uh, but it looks like it might be related to changes in the amino acid content of these foods. Now, amino acids are, are the building blocks of proteins, and there's certain right. amino acids that have to be in the diet so the dog can build, build protein. And the idea is, or what the thought is, is that when they took out the grains in some of these diets, that the companies that were doing this were substituting other types of vegetable matter that threw off the balance of, uh, of the amino acids, and there may be a taurine deficiency. 
and that might be causing cardiomyopathies, which is a problem with the heart muscle right. uh, in dogs, which is really interesting because about, oh, 30 or 40 years ago, there was a problem in cats where we were seeing a lot of cats that came in with cardiomyopathy, where the muscles would be weak and the, and the heart would balloon up. And eventually, uh, somebody uh, found that cats had a higher need for taurine in their diets than we had realized. Uh, diets now are supplemented with that, and we rarely see that problem anymore. So uh, nutrition, because, uh, nutrition yeah. is so complicated. <clears throat> it is. It's so complicated. But I mean, for, it's funny, the comments you make, because we, I can't remember the name of this dog food. It's called wild something that we mm-hmm. use. Um, in fact, back when we had tell, I actually had a uh, dog food called Hundenflocken, which was, yeah, I didn't mess that up on the radio. <laughs> the, I had that stuff shipped from California, and it took, and I'd have 50-pound bags. It cost him more to ship it than it did to buy it. Yeah. But it was the only thing that kept him from having allergy issues. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have corn. It didn't have wheat. It did have rice in it, lamb. right? And, you know, right. But now these these new ones are like salmon and, and, and you know, wild boar. And, I mean, there's all these different, you know, Makeups right. now, but the other thing is, for instance, you talked about other products that they shove in some of these dog foods. If you don't pick that bag up and read those ingredients, you don't have a clue what the hell you're giving your animal. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, that yeah, and, and that's a good start. But the problem there is, is it really to, even for the average veterinarian, it's hard to tell a good diet from a bad diet in that you can't. It might say, well, there's an adequate amount of protein. Let's say there's 25, 30 percent protein in there, but it doesn't say in a bag whether or not that's bio digestible protein. Oh, how interesting. So, so another thing is it you can look on the label and say, well, it's got more than enough calcium or more, more than enough phosphorus than it should have. But not only the amount, but the ratio of calcium to phosphorus is important. So there's all these intricacies in regard to putting together a proper diet that's hard to tell from just like on the label. But you're right. That's a good place to start. I mean, there's some obvious things. If it says, well, it's got 10% protein, then yeah, you know that that's not going to be good. No. Uh, but, but when it gets And these cheap the, dog foods, these really cheap dog foods are full of a lot of crap, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think you get what you pay for with diets in most cases. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I, I don't think that's, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, do you want to eat bologna seven days out of a week? You know? <laughs> and the other thing I try to do is I do try to mix it up. You know, I'll buy the salmon one or buy the, you know, for w- one bag and then turn around and buy the boar one for the next bag mm-hmm. and, and, you know, try to give them something, di- you know, yeah. Give give them something different, so, so they're not eating the same thing all the time, and it keeps their interest in the food. Yeah. Although you know, Greta doesn't seem to have an, 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 any issue with nope. any kind of food. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it may be, she's a true chow hound if there ever was one. Well, <clears throat> that's that that's really interesting, Doctor. It's been a very interesting show today. As I said, we're going to be doing more of these. Um, we're hoping Doctor Hothouse is going to be available to do these. We're going to try to do at least one of these a, a month. So that we're going to you know along with our other shows. We're going, to, we're going to start making pet health care part of what we do here. So thank you for coming in studio today, and thank you for doing the show with us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Gary. And Dr. Hunthausen here in Kansas City, westwoodanimalhospital.com is the website. The phone number is 913-362-2512. If you look for a really good vet, I can vouch for Dr. Hunthausen. He's definitely one of those. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish together as fools. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. America.